Thank you for listening to the Reclaim Church podcast. We hope that this message is a blessing to your life. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX. Now please enjoy this message. Um, I have a message today that I really want to get right into. And the title of my message is Give Me Space. Give Me My Space. And, and the idea of this is really talking about this moment that we're living in, this time where we're isolating ourselves. We talk about a lot, a lot about self, what is it, um, social distancing and quarantine and kind of just living life um, by ourselves, really. And the, the quarantine life is, is kind of difficult for some of us. Actually, for, maybe for all of us, um, there are some people that actually like it. Um, like being home. I personally don't mind being home, but um, there are some of us, and, and we, we're in a crowded house, or maybe some of you are, are kind of self-social distancing by yourself, um, and, and you find your, yourself isolated from other people. And I hope, and I know that this isn't as connected as it would be if we we're in person, and I hope if, if you're, you know, you're watching for the first time, or maybe you haven't come to our church a lot, I hope that when this all passes, that you come so that we could meet each other, so that we can talk to each other again and be with each other. Um, but also, I hope that you find a sense of community on these live streams. I know there's so many churches going out on the live stream, and it's, it's, it's really, really good. Um, but I hope that you find a sense of community here. And if you're part of our church, I want to make sure that everybody knows this. We actually have a Reclaim Church page that is specifically for people that have been coming to our church, that are members of our church, just so that we can stay connected. And so if you're not a part of that group and you want to be a part of it, why don't you leave a comment on the Facebook or the YouTube video or even on Instagram if you want to, if you, if you want to join that group. We kind of just um, check in on each other, pray with each other, and, and, and try to our best to keep the community as we're separated physically, we're still together. Um, also, for the, for, for the kids, we want to make sure that you have children's church resources in your own home. And so if you have kids at your house and you want to you teach them biblical lessons, let us know. We'll send you our, our children's church lessons so that you can teach your kids. It'll be emailed to you. Just leave it, again, leave a comment. But we're all kind of living this isolated life. But even in isolation, there, there, it seems like there's a lot of voices coming into our heads. There's a lot of voices coming into our minds. I know that in my self-isolation, in our quarantine, in my house, my kids are constantly running and screaming or screaming all day, and it's crazy. They just want to get out. They want to get out of the house. Um, but beyond the physical, in-person crowds that we have or the noises that we hear, we also have the news outlets constantly giving us information. We have social media constantly updating reports and updating profiles and we have all the live streams we have all the the stories all the everything that's coming all these voices and opinions we have our the opinions of our family people saying well i think this is what's happening and i think really this is what's going on and and we have all these voices and we're surrounded by information and we're surrounded by entertainment right now is is such a crazy time because yes we are away from everything, but at the same time, we have this opportunity to be at home. And you talk about Netflix binging, you talk about um, scrolling through Instagram for hours and hours trying to find something to do. This is what's happening today, is we're being surrounded by information and entertainment, but really what we have, I don't know about you, but I feel like I've come to this point where I'm, I'm like, I just need space. Now, I may be by myself at my house or just with my family, but I feel like all this information and all these things that are coming to our heads, I just want to turn off my phone. I just want to turn off the news. I, you know, you have that moment where you just want to clear your head, right? And we're really what we're saying is I need my space. I need my, my head to be cleared. And as of right now, we're all in our homes. Our normal, our normal routines are broken. 
Our life is different. We're dealing with the negatives of social distancing and isolation because there are a lot of negatives. But could it be that there are some positives to what's happening today? Could it be that God is trying to say something to us? And so I want to, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of 1 Kings chapter 18. And we're going to, or yeah, chapter 18, excuse me, chapter 19. Um, we're going to find our base story in chapter 19. We're going to start a little bit in chapter 18 because in 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah the prophet shows up on the scene and there's a famine. And I would like for you to go back and read the story in chapter 18. It's a tremendous story. And really, the, the king at this time is King Ahab, and he's actually known as one of the most evil kings uh, of the, of the, uh, in the Bible. And he, Elijah comes on, the prophet Elijah comes on the scene, and there's a famine in the land. And King Ahab tells Elijah, hey, you're a troublemaker. This is your fault that we're in this famine. This is your fault that we're in this drought because there has been no rain. And Elijah tells him, no, 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 it's not my fault. It's because you and the people of God have turned to rebellion and began to worship idols, began to worship the idol of Baal. And because, because these people turned their back, God, God caused a drought or a famine to come upon the land. So in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 20 through 24, it says, So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and ga- gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us, and let them choose one bull for themselves, and cut it into pieces, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull, and lay it on the wood, and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord, And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it is well. So this is is what's taking place before chapter 19. The people of God have turned to, to idols. And now Elijah the prophet is challenging the prophets of Baal and saying, okay, let's set up two different altars with two different bulls. And whoever's God burns up this bull with fire from heaven is the one true God. And so we, what you'll find as you read the scripture is that eventually the prophets of Baal do everything they can to call on the God, but we understand that no God but our God can hear, right? No God but our God is alive. And so they're calling on Baal, but Baal's not listening to them because he doesn't exist. He's not, he's not capable to do what they're asking him to do. And so Elijah, what he does is he, he, he pours water all over his altar. He kind of soaks it in water, and he calls on the name of the Lord, and the Lord answers in fire and burns up the offering. So on Mount Carmel, there was this showdown between Elijah and the prophets of Baal, but we find that God wins. And so when, after that, the people of Israel turn against the prophets of Baal. They kill all the prophets, and it's like this wonderful victory for Elijah and the people of God. But then you jump down to chapter 19, and this is really where we're going to find our base story. 1 Kings 19, verse 1 through 9, it says, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid and he arose, ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. 
And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose, ate and drank, and went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God, also known as Mount Sinai. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him again. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? See, Elijah flees from the situation. So you have this great victory on Mount Carmel where where God really shows his power against the God of Baal. And now Elijah hears that Jezebel saying, Hey, I want to kill you. If, if I don't have you dead by this time tomorrow, if, if I don't have you by this time tomorrow, basically she's putting this threat to Elijah. And so it says that he was afraid and he left, but he wasn't afraid of Jezebel. And I think that's something that we maybe get confused sometimes because Ahab also wanted to kill Elijah, but he still showed up on the scene with Ahab. Elijah was not afraid necessarily of Jezebel, uh, Jezebel's power, but he did not want to die by her hand. And so he went away saying, God, I'd rather you kill me than Jezebel kill me. He wasn't afraid of death, but he did not want Jezebel to be the one to kill him. And so he, he ran for his life out of fear and out of disappointment because when we go back to chapter 18, when he tells the people of God saying, who are you going to choose? It says they chose no one. There was, there was, or excuse me, they said nothing. Their lack of response to his question grieved his heart in disappointment. And then you look at Jezebel's response to what God had just done. She, she has no, there is nothing in her heart that says, okay, I'm going to turn to God now because he proved himself. But instead, she's, she's upset and she's angry. So Jezebel's response was a sure sign that the people of God would turn back to idols. And so Elijah left out of fear and out of disappointment in the people of God. He doesn't only run away by himself, but he believes in his heart that he's the only one left. What we, what we see is that his disappointment and his depression, because he's sad of what's happening, he's disappointed in what had happened, it caused him to think irrational. It caused him to have this mindset, okay, if, if they're not responding, then I must be the only one left. See, we're in, a, we're in a time of isolation, and when we're in isolation, taken out of our daily routines, what can happen in this negative space is that this negative space can cause us to think negative thoughts. In, in, our, in our disappointment with the way that our life is going, in our depression of being by ourselves, maybe you're going through something financially that you're, un, you're unsure of what it's going to look like in the next month, or maybe you're going through something mentally where, where you, don't, you can't really control your thoughts, and what's happening is we're in this self-quarantine or in this, this social distancing or isolation. If we're not careful, we can let our thoughts take captivity over us. And we can come to a place of disappointment and frustration and irrational thinking saying, and begin to say things like, oh, I'm the only one who believes because we're no longer surrounded by a community of church or, or God is not listening to me or God does not hear my prayers or these, these things of, of really delusion that aren't true, but we think they are because of where our mindset is. We have to be careful in this time when we're by ourselves and we don't have our church family. We have to be careful. 2 Corinthians 10 5 says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. If we don't take captivity over our thoughts, our thoughts will take captivity over us. In this space that we have, we can't waste this time. We're, we're getting to, we're, 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 in this time, we have to try, to try to hear the voice of God. Lord, what are you doing? What are you saying to us? 
We can't waste this time. Yes, this is a great time to be productive. This is a great time to start reading books. This is a great time to start building some healthy habits in your life. This is a great time to do all those things. But productivity is just a distraction. It is not a guard. You can be busy in your day so that you don't go back to your anxiety. But guess what? If all you're doing is getting away from anxiety with productivity, then that anxiety will be waiting for you when you go to bed. That depression, that fear, that anger will be waiting for you when that productivity is put aside. Productivity can be a great distraction, but it's not a great guard. The only thing that will guard our minds in this time is is a, a guard of prayer and a guard of the word. In this time, listen, do not waste your space. Don't waste this time of isolation where all you're doing is trying to make your physical temporary life better than what it was last month. But take this time to guard your minds with the word of God and with an actual prayer life. Seeking God. Could it be that this time that God is bringing us to, could it be that there is a purpose behind it? I believe that God was leading Elijah to loneliness. And we see this in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 8 through 10. It says, and he rose, ate, and drank, and went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave and lodged in it, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, Elijah's response, it says, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. See, uh, just like us, just like our time of isolation, Elijah was isolating himself for for protection. He was distancing himself from Jezebel so that he wouldn't be killed. But on his own, he went to the wilderness. It says that he left his his servant and he went into the wilderness. But the angel of God came and met him in the wilderness and said, I want you to get up and I want you to go to the mountain of God. On our own, in our own isolation, we will allow ourselves to go into a place of wilderness. But God does not want our minds in a place of wilderness. He wants our minds in a place where God can speak. But God led him to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. Elijah was led into loneliness by the Spirit of God for a reason. See, isolation can be a good thing. Now, I know, again, there's a lot of things going through our minds, and there's a lot of wondering and what ifs and and when are we going to get out of this season? And I was sharing with the team, the, the small team under 10 here, that w- this morning I was sharing with, with everybody here that, the, that, that's running this live stream that there's a lot of wondering. A lot of people, the, but see, ev- nobody has an answer. Everybody's saying, well, we think it will be like this. Or maybe it will be like this. Or maybe this is when it will end. Or maybe that's when it will end. But nobody knows. Listen, God is not calling us to know things. He's not calling us just to understand what's happening necessarily, although I believe that he wants to bring a sense of peace and trust. But isolation can be a good thing because right now we don't have to figure it out. We just have to hear what God is saying. Luke 5.16 says, But Jesus would often withdraw himself to desolate places to pray. He would use isolation for a moment of prayer. He would use his alone time where nobody else was around to find and seek the heart of God. See, God used a negative situation in Elijah's life to bring him to this moment. My question is, what is God trying to lead us to? Maybe it's time that we turn down the noise. Maybe it's time that you stop refreshing the news apps and stop refreshing the Instagram feed and stop refreshing Facebook and YouTube just to see how we can distract ourselves or how we can better understand the situation. Maybe this quarantine can be used for the goodness of our heart instead of the negativity of our mind. 
Maybe God is leading us to this, this place of isolation for a reason. What is he saying to us? What is he speaking to us? Yes, I know that people are sick, and I know that people have died, and honestly, we don't take that lightly. We're praying for a healing. We're praying that God would just wipe up this virus, and, that, and not that things would go back to normal, but, but that people would see the power of God. But people are also stuck at home right now wondering what to do with the wrong mentality. But again, we don't need to figure this out, guys. This is not the time to try to put, it, put all the pieces together. and it's, it, it's time just to trust the Lord. Mark 9, verse 2 through 8, it says, And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led him up a mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and, in his, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses. And they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. You ever have those moments where you just don't know what to say? Verse 7, and a cloud overshadowed them and a voice came out of the cloud said, This is my beloved son, listen to him. And suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them, but only Jesus. See, there was this, 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 this place of isolation where Jesus calls these three disciples to this mountain. A lot of people believe this was actually on the foothills of Mount Horeb where Elijah had his encounter with God. And Peter, in this moment, he sees this, this amazing picture before him, Jesus transfigured on this mount, talking to the prophets of old. And he sees this moment, but he takes this moment as an opportunity to try to figure out what he should do next. He's like, oh man, this is amazing. I, I should build a tent. One for you, one for Elijah, and one for Moses. And it's funny because his, his opinion and his, 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 his need to figure the situation out was completely ignored by God. And God says, listen, this is my son. Listen to him. Listen to what he's saying. Right now, a lot of Christians and a lot of prophets, I'm not saying this is all wrong, but we're all trying to figure it out. Okay, God, we're here should we do this, or should we do that, or, or what do you want me to do, God? I want to, I want to respond to the situation. I understand that's out of a good heart, but sometimes we're not meant to figure it out. We're just meant to listen. Sometimes we're not meant to, to figure out what's going to come next, and the truth is we don't have those answers because we don't know when life will be back to normal. We don't know, and for some people, it never will go back to normal. But we don't know these things. Now is not the time to figure it out. It's time to trust in God. Listen, you're at home and you're watching online or maybe you're going to watch later. Whatever, whatever, whatever you're doing right now, now is not the time to be afraid. Now is not the time to try to figure it out. Now is not the time to try to explain everything to everybody. It is now the time to trust in the Lord. To put your food, not in your paycheck, not in your job, not in your family members, not in your home or the structures that we've placed around our lives. It's time to trust in God and God alone. He's the only one that can answer. He's the only one that can respond. It's time to trust. Psalms 28, 7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. In Him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exalts and with my song I give thanks to Him. Psalms 9, 10 says, And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. For those who know your name put their trust in you. He doesn't forsake those who seek him. 
Maybe, maybe, I'm not trying to make you feel bad about your life, but maybe you can't trust God in this time because you don't know Him. We often say these things in our church that you can know religion and not know God. You can know church culture and not know God. Maybe you're having a hard time with this time, with this season of everything that's going on because you don't really know God. But what, what is God saying to us right now? Why is he allowing us to go through a season like this? I'm sure Elijah was wondering the same thing. Like, man, God, I just had this, vic- this victorious moment. I thought for sure this would change things. And Jezebel is now after me. She wants to kill me. And I know these people are, are not going to turn back to you even after what you've done. And he's probably sitting thinking like, why am I here? Why, am I, why is God allowing me to go through this season? Why do I feel this way? Why, the, why are these things happening? A lot of the questions we're asking, God, why are you letting this happen? Lord, what is going on? God, why am I so afraid? God, why is my anxiety at an all-time high? Why am I doubting you so much in this season? God, why are we here and what are you saying? See, we find the answer in, in 1 Kings 19, 11 through 18. We're going to finish off this chapter. So then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. This is God talking, the Lord talking to Elijah. And behold, the Lord passed by in a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the sound, after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be the king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel-Mohala, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes the sword from Hazael shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes the sword of Jehu shall Elijah put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel. All the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. See, what God was doing, we have this moment. He's calling him, go, to, go, to, go out of the mountain. You have the, the wind, you have the earthquake, and you have the fire. All these things that could have brought destruction. All these things that were spectacular in, in the eyes of man. All these things that would get our attention. See, God was not trying to bring destruction to Elijah. He was trying to get his attention. I believe right now, God is not trying to bring destruction to the church. He's trying to get our attention. He's not bringing destruction to the Christian. He's trying to get our attention. He's trying to get us not to say, God, what should I do? But to say, God, what are you saying? What are you saying? What I love is that God wasn't speaking in the spectacular. His voice wasn't in the wind. It wasn't in the earthquake and it wasn't in the fire. 
God wasn't trying to, to get his attention with all these crazy things that were happening in the world. See, the ones that were idol worshipers that we see in chapter 18, they needed to see the fire from heaven. They needed to see that sign from God to believe in him. But Elijah didn't need the wind. He didn't need the earthquake and he didn't need the fire. He just needed the voice. Because those who are close to him don't need a sign. We need a voice. Matthew 16, 4 says, An evil, adulterous generation seeks for a sign. I'm not saying, God, show us a sign of what you're doing. I'm saying, Lord, speak to us. What are you asking us to do? Through all that, that was going on in Elijah's life at this moment, the Lord was just trying to get his attention. I like what this commentary says. It says, the gentle whisper or still small voice was not to indicate the demeanor or the volume of the Lord's communication. Rather, it identifies that the Lord speaks in the reverberating silence that follows thunderous disasters. All that is going on, I don't think he's speaking through all these things. What I think is happening is his voice is reverberating to every heart, every Christian, every person that is seeking the Lord. And he's trying to get your attention. He's trying to get our attention to find out what is he doing. The other day I got, I, w I was in prayer and, and, and I'm not going to lie to you, this, this whole time has been crazy for us too. You know, it's, there's a, there's a lot of wondering and there's a lot of, you know, I'm worried about my kids and worried about my wife and my family, the ones in California, just kind of praying for everybody. And, and I remember I had this message kind of laid out, but I, but I got on my knees in my office and I said, Lord, I'm not going to get up. I'm not going to finish this sermon until you speak to me, until I have an encounter with you. And as I got on my knees, I just stood there. And you guys know when you first get into prayer, it's kind of like, okay, not much is happening just kind of waiting there, but I said, no, I'm not getting up until you speak. I'm not getting up until you talk to me. I need to hear what you're saying, God. I need to hear what you're saying. And the Lord began to share his heart with me. And his heart was broken for the people of God. Because we have come to a place as a church body where we've relied more on our systems, our softwares, our organizational skills, the way we think church should look, the way we think God should move. And we've, al we've allowed ourselves to say, this is what we believe God can do, and everything outside of this, we don't want Him to do. And I believe some churches have kicked Him out of their church. The Holy Spirit is no longer welcome to move how He pleases to move on His people. People are no longer experiencing a move of God that they have access to. They're not experiencing the presence of God in their life that, that they can walk in. And His heart, He began to speak to me and I began to cry out for the people, the people of God. I began to repent on behalf of even our church saying, Lord, if we've ever kicked you out, God, if I've ever put you in a place where you're not welcome in my life, God, if there's anything in my life that is pushing you away from me personally, I begin to repent of these things. Listen, the revival that God is trying to start on the earth is not going to come through a congregation. It's going to come through an individual. 
It's going to come when every one of you that are watching, every individual that says, I'm a Christian or I'm a man or a woman of God, it's going to come when we begin to repent of our selfish ways, when we begin to repent of, of our attention that's been on other things besides God. That's when revival will start. God is not looking to bring the church back into the building. He's looking to bring the Christian back into the secret place. That we can find the heart of God again. Listen, church, I am not trying to, to, to have a fancy sermon. I'm not trying to, trying to make things to where it's like, oh, that was good and amen with that. And I'm not trying, what I'm trying to get our church to understand is that God is not looking for all these things that we're looking for. He is looking for intimacy. He is looking for people that will neglect the things of the world and will push everything aside to say, God, I just want you. Nothing else matters. God, nothing else matters. I just want to hear your voice. I just want to know your heart. This is what God is looking for. It's not time to figure things out. It's not time, it's not time to try to, to understand what the world is doing or how the world is responding. It's time to get on our knees in a spirit of repentance with humility and seek the face of God and say, Lord, what are you saying to me? What is in my life that pushes you away? And when we hear this voice, when we hear this voice, everything changes. John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Elijah heard the voice of God, and it brought comfort and guidance. God reminded Elijah, he said, listen, you're not the only one. There are 7,000 who have not turned to Baal. And then he says, get up, go back to the wilderness which you came, because there's Elisha. And I need you to anoint him to be the next prophet. See, what God will do when we begin to seek him is he'll bring peace to your heart. Saying, listen, things aren't as bad as you think they are. Now, I'm not talking physically. You may say, well, you don't know. You're not a medical professional. I'm not. I'm saying, in the spirit, things aren't as bad as we make them sound. Because although the government may lose control, although the churches may lose control, Although you may feel like you're losing control, can I tell you something? God will never lose control. So maybe things aren't as bad as you think they are. But it's not time to sit and do nothing. You've got a job to do. There's people that God wants you to reach. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX or check us out on our website, reclaimchurchtx.com. Thank you for listening.